Hi there and welcome to episode 107 of the Writing Guy podcast. I'm Scott Keyes, the Writing Guy, helping people to find their voice, write human, and change the world with their words. Over the past few months, uh, I have banged on about this mega bid that, that I've been working on uh, as one of six bid writers. and. Um, uh, gladly and happily, uh, the uh, the bid was submitted last Friday, uh, which was great. Um, and I think it ran to some ridiculous number of pages. I mean, it was over 850. I think it was getting on for 900 pages of response. Uh, it's, it's a miracle that any of us have retained our sanity. But I've just been going through my notes, kind of rationalising my notes and shredding all the stuff that needs to be shredded and, and all the rest of it. And um, I thought I thought it would be instructive, well, both for me and for, for you, if you're, if you're vaguely interested in bidding or tendering or uh, any kind of competitive sales writing, just to give you my take on... It's a bit of a post-mortem, really. I mean, that kind of suggests that the patient is dead, but... Um, uh, that is not the case, but you know what I mean, just to do a kind of uh, a reflective audit on um, on the bid and, and, and what the challenges were. So what, what I've done is I've printed out the, basically as one of the bidders, we had to respond to 32 questions. Uh, and I, I worked mainly on two of those. Uh, one of which ran to, well, had a page limit of 80 pages, and the other question uh, had a limit of 50 pages, so a total of 130 pages in all. And in one of those, for one of those questions, I was um, managing the input and very varied levels of input as well from content owners and technical authors. I was managing the input from uh, of of eight different people, all of whom had expertise in different facets and angles of the of that of that particular question. And then my job was to knock it into shape and edit it and rewrite it so it sort of hung together. Um, which all sounds fine and dandy and, and we managed to do it. And just to give you an idea of the size of this bid, if you haven't already got that, there's a magnitude of it. I was one of six bid writers, uh, which is almost unheard of. I mean, it was, it was easily the most complex and biggest bid I've, I've ever worked on. Um, and I'm still recovering from it. Um, but but I, I just wanted to do a kind of analysis. The, one of the biggest challenges was that the questions set by the the end client, and obviously I, I'm not going to reveal who that is because I've signed NDAs and it's all confidential and, and all the rest of it. Uh, and I'm not even going to say anything really that, that, that could sort of uh, indicate what sort of field it's in really, but suffice to say that the questions put together in the ITT, the invitation to tender by the client, I think were very poor. Uh, judging just by, I mean, I, I read uh, a number of the questions, but judging by the two that I've just mentioned that I worked on, uh, they, they were disjointed, they were badly written, they were repetitive, 
and they were highly prescriptive. And that's a kind of toxic mix, really. Uh, that's, that's a perfect storm of a kind of a terrible question and puts sort of bidders like us under huge pressure. So just to just to flesh that, that out a bit, I ran the I printed out the two questions I worked on. Not our response, but just the two questions, and I ran the readability stats on them. And one of the questions runs to 805 words, and the second question runs to 461. And very interesting, I've mentioned the readability stats before, based on the work of Dr. Rudolf Flesch. Uh, and the, these are, this is a function in Word, in every version of Word, that enables you to score the readability of your writing as a percentage. Now, according to the, the, the measures set up by Dr. Rudolf Flesch in, in, this, in these readability statistics, um, and the readability score is measured by something called the FRE, the Flesh Reading E score, which is a percentage, so it's out of 100. According to this tool, plain English, which I've kind of banged on about in this, in this uh, off and on in this podcast, plain English begins at, a, at an FRE of 60%. So if you write something and you you run the the rule over it, you run the readability stats over it, and you score 60% or above, then that that means that you're writing plain English, which is obviously a good thing. It makes it very easy for the reader to get your meaning. Both these questions from the ITT, from this massive bid, in terms of readability, score an almost identical between 28 and 29% readability. So that is, the, that is only halfway to being plain English. So already, can you see what we're up against? Already the questions that we had to respond to were barely readable. Now interestingly, uh, you know, they had a relatively short ASL, average sentence length in words of about 20 words, which is fine. But both the questions had an extremely high number of average characters per word of 5.7 and 5.9. Now normally in your kind of -of run-of-the-mill average B2B piece of writing, I usually advocate kind of 4.9, between 4.5 and 5 average characters per word. As soon as you get beyond an average of five characters per word, which actually probably doesn't sound that much, what that indicates, that indicates that you're using high register, formal, uh, you know, polysyllabic, fancy, fancy schmancy, highfalutin words. So an average character per word of 5.7 or even 5.9 is off the scale. Uh, and, you know, when, 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 when I'm reading, without wanting to give too much away, but when I'm reading uh, these questions, you know, you've got words like rationale rather than reason. Um, strategy is in there a lot. Safeguard rather than protect or defend. Um, monitoring rather than tracking. I mean, not a huge difference. Um, 
regulatory, probably nothing you can do about that. But you know, you did, you get my point that there's just a, a needless wordiness uh, there. I'm looking for some others as well. Lots of nounitis, tons of nouns where, where, which could easily be replaced with verbs. And all of that is kind of puffing up these questions and making them less and less readable. Um, I think the, 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 the other thing I'd say is the readability stats give a relatively low proportion of passiveitis, um, which is the, the proportion of sentences in the passive voice. I think the stats have got this wrong, actually, but because uh, both, the, both these questions are riddled with, with the passive voice. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I'm going to I'm going to sort of leave it there for now. But the bottom line for this is, is that if you are a tenderer, if you are if you are a buyer, and you're putting a contract to tender out for people to for bidders to respond to, for goodness sake, please use me or somebody like me to create an ITA, an invitation to apply, or an ITT invitation to tender, or an RFP request for a proposal, you know, to, to write it in a way that it makes it easier for the bidders. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk more about this in, in, in um, probably in tomorrow's podcast as well, because I, mean, I think this is such a big issue that the way we procure business in this country, in the UK, is, it leaves a lot to be desired. So if you are a contracting authority or a buyer, you know, please make damn sure that your ITT or RFP is well written and simple and clear. Make it easy for the bidder to respond to your to your spec, uh, to your invitation to tender. So I'm going to leave it there for now. I hope that's been of interest and I'll see you tomorrow for episode 108. Thanks for listening. Bye now.